Well, good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. Welcome to you who are in person and welcome to those of you who are watching online. We are so grateful that you made it out this morning in whichever way you got here online or here in person. Um, as Judge said, my name is Shannon. I'm one of the pastors. It is always uh, or generally a custom of mine to welcome everyone, but I do like to give a special shout out to our second time visitors. So if you're here for the second time, we want to say hello and welcome and thanks for coming back. Uh, so today is January 9th. It's the second Sunday of 2022. We're eight days into our annual SSV fast. Uh, and I'm not trying to put anybody on blast, but how are you doing? Oh, okay. Well done. Well done. Well, I did a quick little research thing. In 2020, a poll of 2,000 Americans, so it's a small study, found that it takes just 32 days for the average person to finally break their resolutions. But 68% report giving up their resolutions even sooner than that. The research goes on to say that 52% cite the top reason our resolutions don't stick is a self-aware lack of discipline. Now, in full disclosure, I had a moment on day two. Actually, it was like day one and a half. Now, our fast uh, in the Allison household includes some changes to our eating habits. And um, it also includes not watching television outside of the half an hour news in the evening. Uh, and I was just sort of annoyed on day two that we had to fast. Like, I really would prefer if I didn't need to be disciplined, not just in January, but like through the whole year. Like if my favorite food, pizza, had the caloric makeup of broccoli, like that would be really nice. Or if I naturally enjoyed running and lifting weights, like I couldn't wait to get to the gym. Now, I'm old enough though to know that a life without discipline is a life of a different kind of struggle. And January, the turning of a new year, is a great time to start new habits and disciplines. Over the years, I've found that there are just some disciplines or habits that I just naturally do, like they just kind of stick. But there are other things that I really struggle to maintain. James Clear, he writes in his great book, Atomic Habits, that every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Let me read that again. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. In chapter one of his book, he outlines the importance of tiny habits. And to sum up the big idea of chapter one, Clear writes, success is the product of daily habits, not once in a lifetime transformations. Now, in the Christian world, I might tailor this a little bit. While I believe in the power of a once-in-a-lifetime breakthrough with Jesus, I also believe that our success in living the good life, a life on purpose and in the kingdom of God, is a product of daily habits, namely the dailiness of spiritual disciplines. And that's why we're taking time in our preaching to focus in on these spiritual disciplines, at least some of them. We're leaning into the practices and habits that God has called us to, the disciplines that keep us putting God and other people, as Gino said last week, at the center of our life. How do we appropriately decenter ourselves and place our mission and purpose in the center? 
the two sides of the coins from Jesus' calling us into our mission, to love God and to equally love people. How do we center God and people? Last week, Gino described a life of generosity and stewardship when we live with the understanding that all of it, our money, our resources, our time, all of it belongs to God. We operate with this open hand and open heart of generosity and stewardship. And while there are many areas where we can be generous to give back to God, a portion of our finances through tithes and offerings is one concrete habit that points to our understanding of the discipline of generosity. To use a version of James Clear quote, generosity is not a one-time event. It is a daily habit. It's the regular and systematic process of giving to God and giving to other people. And in the upcoming weeks, we're going to tackle some additional spiritual disciplines. But today, I want to talk about the spiritual discipline of prayer. I want to look at why we pray and what the Bible has to say about prayer. I want to look at some practical tips on making prayer a habit. And then I want to give us some space at the end of service to actually use this skill. So I want to start with the question, why do we pray? Now, especially for those of you who are here and do not consider yourself Jesus followers, you might say, like, why do Christians pray? Like, what's the big deal? What purpose does it serve? So by definition, prayer is talking to God. So prayer is our current method to connect with our maker and our father. And just like our earthly relationships, our heavenly relationship with our father needs to be fed and cultivated. It's an opportunity to decenter ourselves so that we can center on God and his voice in the midst of our joy and sorrow, our pain and triumph. But prayer also serves to connect us to the source of our peace, decentering our sinful and fearful anxieties and centering God's peace. We read this in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, prayer is also an opportunity for us to surrender our will to God's will. We see a profound example of this as Jesus prays in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew 26, 39, we read that Jesus went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering, he's talking about going to the cross, be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Through prayer, we have the opportunity to, to express our surrender to our sovereign God, decentering our will and centering God's will. Prayer is also a way that we partner with God to bring his healing to this world. It's an avenue for the breaking in of the kingdom of God in this space. Psalm 30 verse 2 says, Oh Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you restored my health. Now we believe that God can heal without prayers and without our partnership, and at the same time, we know that God uses us as he partners with us to bring healing, centering our role in community and this idea of loving other people. We also pray to pursue God's presence. It's an opportunity to invite and linger in the presence of God, to practice listening to his voice, to share our honest thoughts and what's on our heart, to reflect, to be restored and refreshed. 
And there are a number of great texts throughout the Bible that demonstrate people who prayed and different prayer models that we can use. There are also stories where Jesus went away from all the crowds to get away to a quiet place so that he could connect with God. All of these things are great and could be used to describe the importance of prayer as a spiritual discipline. In short, though, we pray because it connects us to God, his peace, his healing, and his presence. Which leads us to the question of how we should pray. And so today I want to take a look at Matthew 6 and to use this section specifically on what is referred to as the Lord's Prayer. So join me in Matthew 6. We're going to look at verses 5 through 13 this morning. I'll be reading first out of the NLT version. It says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as the, and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Verse 9, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now I'm going to read verses 9 through 13 again in the NIV version this time. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's pretty clear in this passage when we hear the words, this then is how you should pray. Upon their request, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. 53 words in the NIV version, 62 words in the NLT version. It's a simple poem. But it's worth noting that when Jesus says, this is how you should do something, that we should pay attention. And if you're like me, I grew up reciting these words verbatim. It was part of the morning ritual at St. John's Lutheran Church and School. Not a bad habit to have for certain. And this week I started working on this sermon to teach this prayer as a template. Commentators have written that this is a great template for how we should pray. Thinking of each section like writing prompts, ways to get me started, taking each line and then pausing and personalizing it. For example, we start off with the first part, our Father. And then we add and we personalize from there. Lord, you are my Father. You are close and personal. You are a good Father. And then we go on to the next line, who art in heaven. And we say, you are a sovereign King who reigns over heaven and earth and so on and so forth, using each line as a place to expand on the words that Jesus taught, kind of like an accordion. And I think that's a good way to use this prayer. But in my study of this passage this week, I found that there is some great application to use this prayer as a memorized poem that points us to our mission. We talk a lot about mission here, to love God and love people, and I began to see that the beauty of this poem in its element and its importance 
just as it is. It should not be used merely in vain repetition. I don't think that's how Jesus intended for us to use this. But I think that we can reclaim this prayer for what it is and what it could be in our lives. You see, Jesus gave this prayer to his disciples, and I think he might have intended for us to use this daily. And this poem is broken into three different sections that I want to pull out and highlight today. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project, he has a great teaching on this section of the Bible, and he describes the three different sections. The first section is our Father in heaven. The first line, it orients and reminds us that we are praying to our Father in heaven. It's a reminder to put God in his rightful place, on the rightful throne in our lives. And Jesus knew that his disciples, including us, we would struggle to make sure we oriented our hearts to the one and only true God, that other lesser gods would steal our attention and our affection. And so Jesus, in sharing his prayer with us, he orients us toward our Father in heaven. A reminder that God is our Father, the Father of Jesus, very specific about who we're talking about, that we can understand who we are praying to because the God is revealed in Jesus. And then in this moment in history, the God available to us in the form of the Holy Spirit. Now the second part of the prayer aligns us to the heart of the mission to love God. So we see this in the language of the object, your. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we point our prayer toward God, we are encouraged to pray that the name of God be kept holy. And Tim Mackey says that this is a line about God's reputation. And so Jesus invites us to be a part of the restoration of God's name and his kingdom in this earth. And so I've actually invited a few friends to come up to help me because I think I'd like to do an illustration to help describe this. As we think about the kingdom of God coming, I have my friends coming up here to help me. And if you guys just want to stand right over here, I'll give you one hula hoop. Thank you. Okay, so oftentimes, and you guys can stand just like that, perfect. Oftentimes we think about the kingdom of heaven and earth as kind of these two separate circles. And so Annie's got one and Denise has one. So let's just think about this as, like, this is heaven and this is earth, right? And oftentimes we think about, we live here on earth and we pray to God in heaven, and then when we die, we will be transported from our earthly home to then live in heaven, that they're two separate entities. But actually, this kingdom of God, here but not yet fully here analogy and thought process in the Bible, is actually started when Jesus came to earth as a baby. And we started to see that the kingdom of heaven started to overlap with earth. And so now we are living in this time where the kingdom is here, but it's not yet fully here. And so this is the kingdom of God, and we talk about this a lot in the vineyard, and if you didn't grow up in the vineyard, I felt like this, this really became clear to me when I became a part of the vineyard, right? Is that it's not two separate places. It's here, but not yet fully here. And so as we pray this specific part of the Lord's Prayer, we're asking that the kingdom would come and that it would keep coming. We want the kingdom of God to continue 
continue to take over the earth, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you so much, ladies. And so this is the kingdom of God here, but not yet fully here. And so we want to pray that more of the kingdom of God would be available both in our own lives, but also in the whole earth. And so then we move on to the final part of this prayer. This is where the poem switches to the object, us. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, note that Jesus purposefully uses the word us in this section of the prayer, pointing us to the second part of our mission, to love others. It's a call to get daily sustenance from our Father in heaven, a reminder of the children of Israel who wandered in the wilderness and collected manna, a time when they were living between uh, their former home and the promised land, this in-between space, sort of like how we're living right now in this in-between space, when the kingdom of God is here, but not yet fully here. We are not yet in our promised land. And so we need daily rations and portions, reminders that all we have and need for today is a gift from God. But a point to not just give me today the food I need, but the collective us, calling us into mission, continuing the focus on us, the reminder that we need forgiveness in this relationship to how we have forgiven those who have wronged us pointing us back to the reminder of God's great mercy and love for us that he lavishly pours out forgiveness on us. And in return, we let forgiveness flow freely to our community and the people around us. And finally, we see that we can petition to not let us yield to temptation, to keep us from the evil one, that God wants to hear these requests, our yielding to temptation, that we don't want that to happen, and so we'd spend time praying collectively that God would keep us from the evil one. It's a beautiful, simple, and deep prayer. And while this is a great template for praying, it's also enough as it is, a prayer that calls us back to mission, that reminds us of mission, the dailiness of it reminding us who we're praying to, reminding us to center God, reminding us to center others, the ways that Jesus knew we would need to daily orient our hearts back to him and to others, maybe even multiple times per day. Jesus sharing his 53-word poem with us, his disciples. But here's the thing. Whether we use it as a recentering prayer or a template for prayer, it's still a discipline that needs to be practiced, developed, and cultivated. Jesus said it pretty clearly, this is how you should pray. But then I need to do it. But then you need to do it. You control the action or the habit. So before you start the habit of prayer, or before you begin any system of prayer, you have to decide if you want to be a person of prayer. Back to Atomic Habits, when he says, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. So maybe the first question today is, what type of person do you want to become? 
What votes are you currently casting? You know, people who bake prayer into the daily fabric of their lives often experience a deeper connection to God. Like, that makes sense, right? Like, the people we spend the most time with are often the people that we're most connected with. So, prayer doesn't make your life perfect. It is a tool that steadies us in this imperfect life. And so, because we're in church, I'm going to move ahead as if you want to become a person of prayer that you might be interested in increasing your desire to be that type of person and to increase your spiritual kind of muscles in this area. So let's talk about some tips or some ways that we can make prayer a habit. Now, there are likely hundreds of tips on how to make prayer a habit. In the same way, there are hundreds of ways to start a healthy eating plan or to learn to play a musical instrument or any other habit that you want to do. So I'm going to share three tips that have been helpful to me over the years. So tip one is to plan to pray. Now, I am a casual runner, but I'm pretty consistent about working out. But I would say that I don't particularly enjoy running. I also don't enjoy running in the cold or in the morning. And so I need to plan to run. And here's what I found. Uh, using a, a loose association to statistical methods, I'm about 50% more likely to go for a run in the morning if I set out my clothes the night before. Like shoes, socks, the whole outfit kind of like set out on the floor, ready to go. But I would say that I am probably about 95% more likely to run if I also text my running partner, Jody and I say, let's meet at 6, 10 a.m. at our spot so that we can go running. You see, when I casually let the thought cross my mind that I maybe sort of, kind of, might want to go running in the morning, I am usually not very successful. But if I make a plan full of setting out my clothes, confirming a time and location with another person meeting me there, I am exponentially more likely to do it. Insert any other habit, like healthy eating or making your bed or prayer. If you make a plan, complete with the time and location and even an accountability partner, you will be exponentially more likely to do it. So make a plan. Step two or second tip, set a reasonable goal. Now as I was uh, working on this sermon, I looked up the prayer habits of some kind of some big hitters in the, in the faith. And I looked up a typical day for St. Ignatius of Loyola. And it said that he attended mass and spent seven hours in prayer every day, often in a cave. So, while that is a great prayer goal, I would suggest that many of you may not be able to do that as, as a reasonable goal. Of course, we want you all to pray without ceasing, like 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, that to never stop praying, right? To pray continually is great. But in a classic sense, I would suggest that you should be aware of your current prayer habits and set a reasonable goal. Now, the book Atomic Habits, it talks about making 1% gains, and you kind of get that idea like 1% gains over time kind of puts you in a whole different category, right? Small gains over time lead to big results. But let me also say that when it comes to prayer, I believe there are some helpful minimum standards. So starting with one minute per week is probably less 
challenging than we need to be. So I would say if you're currently not praying at all or praying very little or very inconsistently, maybe start a goal by like praying five minutes every day or every other day. Reasonable goals are often set with a full understanding of your current reality combined with where you hope to be. So set a reasonable goal for your prayer life. And then my third tip is to find a template or a system. Find a system that works for you. Now, the Lord's Prayer might be a great template that it might just be what you need to like, become a person of prayer. It's the right kind of starting point for your habit. But there are other templates and systems that might work for you. And it might change season by season. I grew up using the ACTS template for my prayers, starting, that stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. And where you start by expressing adoration and you spend a given amount of time there, then you move on to confession, thanksgiving, supply. You get the idea, right? For me, the system of journaling is actually really integral in my prayer life. It keeps me on track. I'm kind of highly distracted by my to-do list. And so when I journal, I also have a separate piece of paper where I keep my to-do list as thoughts cross my mind. But I also found that journaling is just a great way for me to have a record of my prayer life, to be able to look back on what God has been doing. I also really like, and probably in the last year, I've really become uh, accustomed to using the YouVersion Bible app, and they have a daily devotional on there, and it is a great tool. It's very quick. It gets you in the Word. It includes this quick video, and then a verse, and a devotional, and a prayer, and I just love it. I love it because it, it keeps me on track. It's something that I don't have to think about. I can just turn on my phone, click on the app, and it just does the work for me, and it always kind of starts me on the right path in my day. Also, for those of you, you know that I'm competitive. Uh, there's a way that it, like, tracks how many days you've been consistent with this, and like weeks, and you can share that with your friends and whatnot, so I think that's a good tool for anybody who's a a little bit competitive. Uh, sometimes I read the Psalms and I use the lines of the Psalms like a template where I read one line and then expand and personalize with specifics. The lines of the verses become starting points for my prayer. There's also uh, Ignatian examines that guide you through prayer. And so this afternoon I'm going to start a thread on our SSV community Facebook page so that you guys can hop in and add what tools and different systems in your life and ways that, you, uh, uh, ways that you can get in the Word. And so sometimes it's just helpful to learn what other people are doing and how other people are staying connected to God. And so uh, also, if you guys, if I just mentioned that SSV community Facebook page and you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, come talk to me afterwards because we want to get you involved. That's not our, like, our uh, outward-facing page. It's kind of a private Facebook page where we, as members, we get together. So come talk to me so you can join that so that we can get you involved. Um, so, yes, so be ready to share. And if you're watching right now online, we'd love for you to share. Put it in the comment section. Tell us more about what system or template you use. Okay, now I have a bonus tip for you, though. My bonus tip about prayer is to join a small group. I think that this is one great way to commit to becoming a person of prayer, is to join a small group. Now, here at the SSV, we use small groups as a way of pastoral care. Small groups are a place where you can receive prayer. It's a place where people can get to know you and start praying for you. 
It's also a place where you can learn to pray. We have a, a prayer model that we like to use at the vineyard, but this is a way that you can learn our prayer model. Luckily, we have small groups starting this week. You can head to our website at southsuburbanvineyard.org. You can click on the small group tab, and you can find a group that meets your needs. We have groups that meet in the mornings, in the evenings. We have a lunchtime group that's going to start uh, this week. And so we would just love for you to join a small group so that you can practice the spiritual discipline of prayer. We've got all sorts of options. If you're having trouble finding a new group, just try a couple of them. You don't have to stay with them. They're only five weeks long this session. Uh, so it's just going to be really quick. Try a group. It's a great opportunity for you to become a person of prayer. Okay, so now I'd like to uh, do a prayer lab, an activation. I want to practice together this spiritual discipline of prayer. And we're going to take about five to seven minutes to do this. And so let me recognize that this might be really hard for some of you. In fact, some of you are already trying to figure out, how can I get out the door before this starts? But David, Jacob, and Esteban are at the door, and they're not going to let you out. No, I'm just kidding. No, if you need to go, and this makes you, but it's just going to be really chill, okay? Uh, so stick with me. Consider it a lesson in discipline, all right? So I've described a few ways that we can pray, but I'd like to do an example of a template together. And so we'll use Psalm 103. And what we're going to do is I'm going to put the verses on the screen in just a little bit and with a little instruction. So there's going to be uh, the verse from Psalm 103, and then there's going to be some instructions on some things that I want you to think about as you're kind of reflecting on that verse. And in total, for those of you who are planners, there's going to be five total slides, and we'll spend about a minute on each slide. And then after the final slide, the worship team is going to come up, and they're going to close us in a final song. So I'm going to let this be the way that leads us in to worship. And so as we begin this, I want to encourage you to sit still, but if you need to move around, feel free to get up and move around. Feel free to sit with your eyes closed or open. Feel free to type your prayer and what comes to your mind in your phone. Feel free to write it down. But I'd like to just take a moment to just center ourselves. Get as comfortable as possible. Close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing so. Let's just take a deep breath. Come, Holy Spirit. And so we'll begin. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. <laughs> 